Good morning, Golden Corner. Let me uh, promote just a second uh, the continuation of our series, Making Us. Uh, Next week, Ronnie will continue our series with Making Us Mom and Dad. And so that's going to be a three-week series. I'm certainly looking forward to that. Uh, Lord knows I need help in that area uh, myself. You know, I hear people say all the time, I've heard this all my life, that you really don't understand how to be a parent until you become a grandparent. And uh, it's kind of trial and error the first time around. second time, you got it a little bit. And uh, so I'm looking forward to uh, when I can really sit down with my grandkids and teach them how to be parents. So uh, I haven't done necessarily a great job this time around. But I got great kids, so uh, that's, uh, God worked that out. Today I want to be talking to you about what I consider a very important subject. And I'm going to make a statement uh, that you're not going to be surprised by. It's not going to take you uh, off guard or catch you off guard. I want to make a statement. Life can be very unpredictable. It can be extremely hard. It can be extremely difficult at times. But at the same time, it can be overwhelmingly fulfilling. And it can be gratefully joyful. You know, this week I had the opportunity, like I have many times over the last several years in ministry to kind of see both sides of that and experience that with families. I got to visit the hospital to rejoice and celebrate the birth of a new life and the life of a family. And then on the other end of that, I closed out the week by attending a funeral. That was somewhat of a celebration, too, because this gentleman had lived a long life, and he was saved, and so we knew it was a homegoing. But they were sad. And so you had joy, you had sadness. And life has a way of kind of carrying us through all of those things. Uh, it gives us opportunities to celebrate. It gives us opportunities to cry. It exercises every emotion that we have. But if there's one thing I can say today that is an undeniable fact, is that every one of us will face adversity. Every one of us is going to face difficulty. Now, I know that excites you to hear that, but it's true. It's just life, and it's the way life is. So the question is not if, but when, but how do we as believers in Christ respond to that? Now, in James chapter 1, he is speaking and writing to A group of people that are Jewish Christians, they have been dispersed throughout all the land, and they are under great persecution. When I say persecution, I mean that they are being killed for their faith, something that we don't face here in America. But they're being killed for their faith, and so they're running, trying to keep their families safe. And because of the fact that they're being driven out of their homes, they're having all kinds of difficulties, all, kind of, all kinds of trials and tribulations that they're running into. And so James wants to encourage them not just to simply get through these trials and difficult times, but he wants to teach them how to go through it and how to face it in a way that brings glory to God. And that people will take notice 
when they see the way that they face adversity and they realize there's something different about those people. And I think as believers today, one of the things that sets us apart is that, yes, we face adversity just like anybody else, but it's the hope we have in Christ. It's the fact that we can face adversity and bring glory to God through our response. It's the fact that we can face adversity and testify to the greatness of God by the people around us that see us. And so let us dive into uh, James chapter 1, verse 2, and we're just going to unpack what he is sharing with those who he is writing with. Very encouraging words. He says in verse 2, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, and I want to stop there just for a second. He says, when troubles come your way, again, it's not a matter of if, but when. He's trying to get them to understand that these things are going to happen. These things will happen in your life. And so when troubles come your way, he says, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Now, when I read that sentence, those two things don't seem to go together. He's telling them that troubles are going to come their way, and then at the same time, he's telling them to consider it an opportunity for great joy. I don't know about you, but it's hard to find joy in adversity. It's hard to find joy in troubles. And so what is he talking about? Find this as an opportunity for great joy. What he's saying is this. Don't find your joy in your circumstances. Don't find your joy in what's going on around you. But find your joy in your relationship with Christ. He's wanting them to focus on that relationship and finding their joy in their relationship. They can find joy regardless of what the circumstances are in their life. So he's saying find it as an opportunity for great joy. He is challenging them to react in a way that is uncommon or unknown to the world around them. See, those who are bringing persecution against them expect them to run, expect them to deny their faith. They expect them to be crushed. And so he is encouraging them to react in a way and respond in a way that's going to bring glory to God and testify to his greatness in a way that is unknown to the world because they don't know Christ. And I think for us as believers today, in the way that we respond to adversity says an awful lot about the level of faith we have in our God. He goes on to say, For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Now the word perfect here is not meaning that they will be sinless. It's simply meaning they will be complete. It's talking about spiritual maturity. The word endurance or perseverance here is talking about dealing with adversity and pushing through. You see, endurance doesn't have as an option to quit. It doesn't have as an option to look for a way out. He's talking about pushing through even when you don't feel like it sometimes. And he says, as you develop and as this trial increases the strength of your faith within you, and that endurance, that will work to develop you spiritually as you mature in Christ. 
and some of the greatest tools that we have in our life that develop us spiritually are the adverse situations that we face if we respond in the right way. He goes on to say in verse 5, If you need wisdom, ask your generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. What he's saying here is when you feel like quitting, when you don't know what to say, when you don't have the answers, when you don't know what to do, go to your knees. There's nothing that drives us to our knees like adversity. There's nothing that drives us to the face of God like troubles and trials. For a lot of us, that's the only time we seek God. But I'm telling you, when we're facing difficult times, we're going to pray harder. We're going to pray more sincere. We're going to seek God with more passion. So he's saying to them, God is there. He's got all that you need. If it's wisdom that you need, you ask. If it's strength that you need, you ask. If it's peace that you need, then you ask. All of these things are available to you, and he has those in abundance and wants to help you through that. He said, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. And what he's saying here is that there's no room for unbelief. He's not talking about just mere doubting, having moments of doubt. We all do that. We all struggle in those areas, especially when you're, you're facing a, a tremendous difficult time. He's not talking about a moment of doubt. He's talking about unbelief. That when we ask, we need to ask with a certain level of faith, but expecting God to do what we're asking Him to do. If you're not expecting God to do it, if you're not asking with a certain level of faith, then you're asking in unbelief. And he goes on to say, such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world. And they are unstable in everything they do. Now, Adversity also serves as a test of our faith. And in that test, it has a way of distinguishing those who are true believers from those who are just religious. It has a way of distinguishing those and separating those who truly have faith in God and those who are just simply going through the motions and have created religious rituals in their lives. And so those who have unbelief in this passage are those who have no faith, no belief at all. They're not truly children of God. But those who are children of God, if we ask that in faith, God's going to give it to us every time. Now the lesson that we find here, I think is very simple. And that lesson is this. Through adversity, our faith is strengthened. Through adversity, our faith is strengthened. And so if we will have the perspective or the outlook from the very beginning, that when we pray or when we are dealing with adverse situations and we're seeking God and we want God to do something in our life, if we'll face that with an understanding that God is doing a work in us through this, I don't necessarily believe that God authors everything in our life to happen. I honestly believe that life sometimes just happens. And again, life is hard. Life is difficult. It's like driving the roads around here. You're going to hit a pothole every now and again. 
a lot of them <laughs> on certain roads. Life just has a way of throwing those curves at us. But God either allows everything that happens in our life or he orchestrates it. Either way, I think the things that we experience and the things that we go through in our life, God uses those to strengthen us in our faith because he has a bigger picture in mind. And so our faith is strengthened when we respond in a way that is glorifying to him, that wows the people around us and in the right way. So let me share with you just three, three simple words that I believe can help you respond in the right way that will strengthen your faith. Preparation. Adversity is going to happen. And adversity can either lead you in one or two directions. Adversity can crush you and weaken your faith and lead you into temptations. Or adversity can strengthen you. That's really up to you as a believer. It's all depending on how we respond. How we react. And how we exercise our faith. So preparation is key if we're going to face the troubles of life in a way that's going to strengthen our faith. Remember, James is here is talking about not just simply surviving, but thriving. He's talking about not just simply getting through, but getting through with victory. He didn't say that this was an opportunity to have a bad attitude, but it's an opportunity to have a joyful attitude. When we're not prepared, what we wind up doing is falling in what I call survival mode. We're just simply trying to limp through it, get through it. In the Old Testament, there was a man by the name of Job. Most of you know about Job. What is Job known for? That's right. Patience because he went through great trials, right? Job had everything. Great family, great possessions. He had everything. Then one day Satan goes before God. And he asked to test Job. Why did he ask to test Job? Because Job was a man of great faith. What, you want, what, you want, what I want you to understand today is that Job didn't go through the adverse times that he went through in order to prepare him. He was already prepared. Matter of fact, if he wasn't prepared, if he wasn't a man of faith, Satan would never have asked to test Job. But he wanted to know the reason for his faith. He wanted to know the reason for his loyalty to God. And so God gave permission to Satan. He was tested because he was prepared. And because he was prepared, he was able to go through it. And in the end, God blessed him. You remember the passage where Job's wife had this simple little conversation with him. And she said, Job, why don't you curse God and die? Now, before I go on, I want to make this point too. Because we oftentimes put her in a bad spot. But understand, she lost ten of her children. Her whole family. She's watching her husband suffer. So before you judge her, understand where she's coming from. But she says, Job, why don't you curse God and die? And this is what Job says. You talk like a foolish woman. Should we accept only good things from the hand of God and never anything bad? So in all this, Job said nothing wrong. Job's faith never wavered. Why? Because he was prepared. 
His faith was already strong. His faith was already established. His faith was, faith was already in God. It wasn't something that had to be created. He already had it. And if we're going to face adversity and we're going to go through the trials of life, then we better be prepared before they ever get there. The Bible tells us that it's going to come. And so we need to prepare ourselves for it. In 1999, I was going to school in Hendersonville, North Carolina. And I was taking evening classes, so I was coming back down Highway 11 pretty late at night. And I was listening to a guy on the radio, and he began to talk about this Y2K thing. How many of you guys remember that? Y2K. I never really paid that much attention to it at the time. But, you know, at 10 o'clock at night, driving down Highway 11, you, you begin to listen. And, and he's talking about all the things that are going to happen and how we need to be prepared, how we need to have all these gallons of water, all this canned food and all this stuff saved up. And I didn't have anything. And then he read this passage. He said, how terrible it will be for pregnant women and for nursing mothers in those days, for there will be disaster in the land and great anger against this people. Now, my wife was pregnant at the time with Leanna. And so now I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. Not only do I have no water, I have no canned food stored up. My basement is just full of junk, no food in there. I'm way behind on this, and now my pregnant wife is in trouble. Should I call home and tell her to get on top of the house, you know, get out of the fields, what I need to do here? And so I'm stressing out, I really am, because to this point I really didn't give it much thought because at this point I hadn't even touched a computer yet, so I didn't even understand all of that stuff. At that time. So I just cut the radio off and I began to pray. I said, God, have I failed my family by not preparing for what could happen? And as clear as I've ever heard God before, this is what he said to me. Do I not love you? Will I not take care of you? Have I not told you what is going to happen in the end times? You are, you are prepared. And so then after that, I never give it a second thought. I think I went to bed midnight, 1999. But we partied like it was 1999 first. <laughs> Had to throw that Prince reference in there. <laughs> Not really. I went to bed with no concerns. Got up next morning, guess what? The sun got, came up. I don't reckon there was any computer crashes, glitches. Uh, all these people had all that water and food. I guess they ate it in time... Uh, but everything was just fine. And I felt much better because I was prepared, because I knew God. Now, how do we prepare? How do we prepare ourselves for adversity? How do you prepare yourself for something that has the potential to change your life? There's only one way that I know of. The way that you prepare yourself is by spending time with God. Every day, spending time with God, getting to know Him better, getting to know His Word, spending time with God, communicating with Him in prayer and listening to Him through His Word and as He speaks to your heart, growing in your relationship with Him. That is the only way to be prepared because if you're not strong in your relationship with God, when you hit adversity, it will knock you for a loop. And the only thing you have in those moments is your relationship and the promises of God in your life. So we've got to be prepared. If you're going to have a joyful attitude, if you're going to face adversity with victory, then you've got to be prepared. 
And you do so by spending time with God, growing in that relationship, and letting Him strengthen you in your faith so that you can face those times with victory. Second word is this, perseverance. Now to me, perseverance is simply this. It's the ability to endure. It's the ability to continue to move forward. It's the ability to get through anything regardless of what it is. To keep moving forward. Now, James uses the word endurance. It can also be translated as patience. Our spiritual growth is really a process that God uses life as a tool to mature us. And I truly believe this, that a totally surrendered life is seen in the level that we are willing to persevere. If you're completely surrendered to God and you're completely surrendered in your relationship with Him, then it will be seen in your level of commitment and your ability to persevere through the difficulties and hard times. Jesus puts it this way in Luke nine sixty two: Anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. What he's saying is, if you begin this journey and you've made this commitment that there is no looking back, there is no way out, there is no exit, you've got to persevere and you've got to keep moving forward. There will be times in your life, there will be times at work, there will be times in your family, there will be times even at church when you become frustrated, discouraged, and, and you just want to get out of it. And the only thing that keeps you going, and we heard this uh, this morning in our prayer time, the only thing that keeps you going is knowing the blessings of God in your life. And understanding what you do has nothing to do with the circumstances or what's going on around you or decisions that have been made, but the fact that you're going to persevere because Christ persevered for you. That He gave everything for you, and because He gave everything for you, you're going to give everything for Him. And you're going to keep moving forward. I believe our commitment in Christ happens the moment that we're saved. But as we grow in that commitment, He begins to increase our ability to endure or persevere through everything that life has. And as we per persevere, this is what happens in us. All of a sudden, we begin to decrease. God begins to increase in us. And we begin to look more like Christ. We begin to respond and handle things more like Christ as we persevere, as He puts us through the fine-tuning of life and, and the things that He puts us through to sharpen us in our faith. He increases in us, we decrease. And when we, when we become more like Christ in our faith and in our spiritual growth, then we can handle more, do more, bring more glory to God, see God do great things through us. When we begin to increase in our lives, we begin to obey. We begin to walk. We begin to practice the instructions of God's Word before a world that doesn't understand what's going on. How many of you guys have ever watched somebody go through some tragic situation and in your mind you're watching them and you say to yourself this, I hope that I can face that with that level of faith. I hope that I can go through something like that with that level of faith. It's because that they've been through other situations. God's been working on them. He's strengthening them. Through these times, even though we don't want to go through adverse situations, 
God uses them to strengthen us, and so we need to see it as an opportunity for growth, an opportunity to be more like Christ. And in so doing, we continue to push forward and persevere in our faith. And then the third word is this, reliance. Reliance. I think the biggest mistake that we make in life in general is that we try to do way too much on our own. And we don't allow God to do what God does. We try to handle everything on our own. We try to handle our problems. We try to come up with the answers. We try to come up with the solutions. When God is there the whole time, waiting on us to come to Him. And then as a last result, we'll finally get to the place where we realize we don't have the answers and we can't handle this and we'll go to God. And then God will handle whatever it is we're going through. Jesus said this in John 16, 33. And here's not only a warning, but a promise. He says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. But Listen to this. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. Amen? I mean, how, how, how good does it make you feel today to know that regardless of what you face, that you serve a God who's overcome the world? You serve a God who's overcome any trials, any tribulations, any problems, anything you can face. We serve a God who can overcome and make us overcomers along with Him if we'll depend upon Him. Moses was praying for the children of Israel as they were fighting the Amalekites. And as he stood there and he prayed for them with his hands raised, they would win. They were winning the battle. Because God was fighting for them. As his arms got tired and they began to drop and lower, God's power was removed and they began to lose. As long as his hands were raised, God was with them and they were winning. When his hands dropped, God was no longer fighting for them. And so Aaron and Hur come alongside of him. He held, they held his hands up so that God would do the fighting. Guys, sometimes we walk around with our hands up and God's fighting the battles for us. And then there's times we walk around with our hands down and we're doing the fighting. It's a win or lose proposition. When we're looking up, we're winners. When we're looking at ourselves, we're defeated. It's a reliance upon God. It's a dependence upon God in every aspect of our life. Good or bad, but especially in the adverse situations of life, in adversity, we need to be relying upon God, seeking Him harder than ever so that He can use us to do those two things I've been talking about. Number one, bring glory to God and wow those around us that they may know that God is great. You cannot face adversity alone. You cannot face adversity without God. Adversity is more than just an experience in life. It is a tool that God can use to strengthen our faith. And so we must be prepared. Be prepared. Be prepared. Spend time with God. If you're not prepared, then adversity will crush you. Number two, persevere. Don't give up. Don't listen to Satan. No matter what he says, do not give up. 
and then rely on God. If you'll do those three things, you'll have victory. And God will strengthen your faith. And let me add one real quickly here at the end. Let people love on you. Let people love on you. One of the most frustrating things for me is when there's somebody in the church going through a hard time and they don't want anybody to help them or support them or love on them or care for them. Listen, guys, part of knowing God is having a relationship with God's people. Let people love on you. I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. Every Sunday, there's people sitting here who are going through adversity, facing trials, facing troubles, facing hardships. It may be in your family, it may be in your finances, it may be at work. But only you know what you're going through. And maybe a handful of other people. I'm not going to ask you to come to the altar today. But what I do want us to do is for you to take a moment. And I want you to ask God to help you to go through this. And accept it as an opportunity for joy. To accept it as a means for spiritual growth. To accept it as an opportunity to fall at the feet of Jesus and let him take your hand. Ask God to strengthen you, strengthen your faith. today we admit that we are so weak so frail powerless without you God you use adversity to remind us exactly how much you love us and how great and awesome you are Lord I pray that you would help each of us celebrate the good times to rejoice in the victories but at the same time be able to face adversity Lord I pray for those in this room right now that are dealing with some trial some tribulation some tragedy some crisis they're hurting they're suffering Lord I pray that you would touch them right now God I pray that you would remind them of your love you would remind them of your power that you would remind them that you're in control God I pray that they'd open themselves up to whatever it is God you want to do in their life they would open their arms to those who want to embrace them and strengthen them. Thank you, Father, for all that we experience, and all that we go through in this life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you.
Thank you and God bless. Have a wonderful day.